Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the HP Podcast, your weekly video game podcast about actually i just said it video games uh i guess you probably knew that if you were tuning in with me here tonight is brandon what's up baby hey boy that was intensely sexual all of a sudden yeah well yeah you know how these things go speaking of sexual we also got dave good evening how's it going not too bad i I expected kind of like a a sultry um barry manilow like i don't know wait not barry manilow Somebody named Barry sounds sultry, though, from, coming from you after I called you that. But it didn't uh, happen. So. 75% of the people I know named Barry are fairly <laughs> sultry. So, yeah, I think you mostly hit the nail on the head there. It goes with the name. For checks sure. out. Yeah. Definitely, definitely checks out. Uh, how's it going? I mean, it's you said a little bit ago it was rainy and cold in Canada. It is also four hours away from you uh, in Butler, Pennsylvania, rainy and cold. Well, actually, today it wasn't too bad, but it was rainy. Yeah. Dude, it was nice as fuck yesterday. It was. Took the dog for a walk. I'm yeah. yearning for 60. I didn't go outside till like five or six o'clock. And I was like, what the hell did I do inside all day? <laughs> what was I? What was I was like, was I working? That's, yeah. Yeah. Come on. I got to get some sun on this neon skin every, <laughs> you know, every third or fourth day or yeah. I will turn into a black hole and implode it upon myself. They don't call you the most glorious ginger for nothing. There, there are reasons mm-hmm. unknown and mysterious, but That's reasons true. nonetheless. Yeah. So sorry, Dave, I didn't let you answer. Oh yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I, I love me the, the 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 weather radar. So whenever we get us a uh, a gnarly looking system, I always pull it up and I, I always I always pan down a little bit to Butler, Pennsylvania, just to see if if we're experiencing the same sort of thing. And nine times out of ten, we are. So yeah, I know if we're getting um, you know sub zero temperatures Celsius and and rain and snow or whatever that you guys are probably in the same boat. So yeah, yeah. it's been it's been weird. It's it's you know super super cold one minute and then it's raining and and then freezing rain and then snow and it's just it's all over the place but that and usually means we're, yeah we're closer to warm weather so yeah that, when you said like you like to see if we're experiencing for some reason somewhere out there the the song from wizard of oz uh popped in my head like isn't there a line in there about like experiencing the same thing at the same time like Wait, Probably, that's we'll, Buzz. we'll need to get our fact checkers on that, but I, I think you're close. Yeah, somewhere out there. Somewhere. What's that? Is that Wizard of Oz? That's, that's not, not Wizard, Wizard of, Oz. of Oz. What the hell am I thinking of? Somewhere out there. I, I know this song, but I can't figure out where it's from. I just know that I take comfort when I look up at the sky in the north to know that Dave could be looking at that same sky. <laughs> He's probably looking at the same stars. So, for sure. That just gives me comfort. Somewhere out there is a song released by Ims. Oh, no, that's thinking not, Aladdin, I, but I know that's wrong. 
it's from Fievel. What the hell? It's from Fievel. Yeah, American Tale. Yeah. Sure. Dude, that's a good-ass movie. Fievel Goes movie West was far superior. It's one of the oh, few times that the, the, the sequel surpassed the original. So let's uh, let's just set that straight right now. I used to watch Fievel Goes West, like, nonstop. I've, I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know who Fievel is? Who the fuck is that? It's a little mouse. His family is... A, Stuart Little? No. You, <laughs> He's like Stuart Little <laughs> meets Indiana Jones. Even Disney. better. Even better. Dude, I had this Fievel doll that was actually my my dad gave it to my mom. I think on their first date, and when I was a little, when a little kid, you know, I got the play. I had it; it was mine. And I took it to my cousin's house one time, and we had to take a nap. We were we were like I don't know four or five years old, and we had to go take a nap. And we were in bunk beds, and he was just really mean to me. And uh, he was like pulling on my Fievel doll from the, the bunk below me and pulled its hat off. It was like sewn to Jesus it. Christ. I never forgave him. What a monster. I know. He's dead now. <laughs> sounds like karma. I mean, it sounds like karma yeah, to me too. Yeah, I don't... Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. That wasn't supposed to get dark. And it, it, I didn't really feel dark about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a fact true. of nature. I mean, the, so the, the moral of this entire first four minutes of this show is uh, don't pull your cousin's Fible head off. Don't fuck with Fievel. Don't fuck with Fievel. This is a show about video games. If you didn't pick up on that by this point, I don't know what you've been doing. But here we are to talk about some video game news. And there's a little bit of it. We got some, like, a few stories that we want to highlight here. The first, this comes to us, this is just pretty recent here. It comes from Jason Schreier. Now, there's a whole thing earlier today where somebody else reported this. And Jason got upset because they didn't use correct sourcing and whatever else. I'm only using Jason here because it's the first thing that popped up when I searched for the story because it's, he works for Bloomberg. And that is that Activision intends to delay next year's planned Call of Duty game. And 2023 will be the first year without a mainline release in two decades. Now, Brandon, this is especially for you, but all three of us have COD experience and we can talk about it. Uh, I'll read a little bit more of the article here and then we can kind of dive into it a little bit. It says, quote, Activision Blizzard Incorporated will delay a Call of Duty game that had been planned for next year. The first time the franchise will be without an annual mainline release in nearly two decades, according to people familiar with the plan. The company is pushing off the release after a recent entry in the series failed to meet expectations. That's Vanguard, by the way, I'm pretty certain. Leading some executives to believe that they're introducing new versions too rapidly said the people who asked not to be identified because they weren't authorized to discuss the deliberations. The decision was not related to Activision's agreement to sell Microsoft Corp to sell itself to Microsoft Corp for $69 billion, the people said. It goes on and on to uh, talk about how they're going to work on other projects and stuff like that for next year. But we know nothing meets the magnitude of Call of Duty. And the fact that this is going to be the first time in a couple decades that we won't see a yearly entry into the Call of Duty franchise what do you think, Brandon? We'll start with you because you're our, our Call of Duty enthusiast oh, here. <sighs> I'm honestly pleased about it. Um, we saw something similar um, when Assassin's Creed had to take a step back from the yearly release cycle. Um, and in the end, I think it ultimately helped. Um, I think that the plans right now are for Infinity Ward to put out this year's Call of Duty. And I'm just going to be frank with the audience the Infinity Ward Call of Duties are the ones that hit. Yeah. And I'm going to catch shit for that because everyone loves Black Ops 1, 2, and 3. I think they're fine games. The multiplayers were very good. Great at best. Bad at worst. So 
I think it's a great time to take a step back. And not to say that they aren't still making money and that they would continue to make money if they did do the yearly release. Right. But I think there's been a lot of issues going on with the game in general. It kind of feels disjointed. There's a lot of studios working on the same projects. It's just, it's nowhere what it used to be like, how it used to be one studio taking one game per year. So I think they kind of just need to reevaluate the entire formula. And if I had to choose a single studio to put out a game before a break goes on, it would be Infinity Ward. So I honestly, I think this is kind of a good move. I think they're going to want to put their best foot forward with this next one based off the way the Vanguard launches went. Um, I think it's went well overall, but I don't think it's quite lived up to the expectations that some of the other ones have have had. Cold War didn't really hit. Vanguard was not as much of a hit as, as Modern Warfare was. And I just think that if they put all they have into this year's release and then take a step back and regroup, that that's going to only make the franchise better. We'll stay here with you for a second. Do you think that you mentioned about how the last couple entries didn't hit, right? Do you think that Warzone's insane success had much to do with that? People didn't feel the need to go to the next version because they were able to play Warzone? I think that's part of the problem. Um, I think they have an issue with dispersing resources, as we see many different studios working on the same exact thing. That can't be an easy feat. Um, I think it has been a weird juggling act. And I think that both sides, multiplayer and Warzone, I'm going to, for the sake of this argument, make them separate. Sure. Um, have suffered because of it. The game makes them separate. So Yeah. yeah. Suffer because of it. And legitimately, I've seen claims from Call of Duty developers that are like, the way the game has progressed has made it very difficult. In Warzone, there are so many guns, there are so many attachments, and there are so many games worth of bullshit in a single file. Right. Clearly something needs to change. They said it's a balancing nightmare. And I can imagine you have three games worth of guns in a single game. Right. More than anything else. More than PUBG, if I had to guess. I mean, at, at this point, the amount of things that you need to balance in the game is so large. So what I'm ultimately saying about all of this is clearly the audience is fragmented slightly. The numbers have been slightly down. I've been personally viewing that myself on Twitch. And there's just been a, an, an overall negative demeanor around everything that's related to Call of Duty more than I've seen in the past. So I think now more than any other time before the money stops flowing in as much as it is would be to take that step back and to reevaluate. And I think they're doing the right thing here. I, I really, really do. I have even felt myself take a step back from the series because of a lot of the things that I mentioned. Dave, in this article, Jason mentions, he says, uh, leading some executives to believe that they're introducing new versions too rapidly. Dave, do you, why do you think it took so long to figure this out? And then, you know, elaborate with your other thoughts as well. Yeah, I, I, I think it was, they outright said in the article, or based on the report that this had nothing to do with the the acquisition, but I mean, would this have happened if if the acquisition hadn't have taken place? Um, you got to wonder that you know the owners are, are starting to look at a different sort of uh, level of quality, and and these yearly releases, maybe maybe you know they just got a bit of a push in that direction to say you need to take a step back. Um, 
with Warzone, I think this actually gives them, you know, the maturity in which that game has reached. I think they now have the opportunity to step back and take a year because you're still going to have that living, breathing thing that is Warzone that can continue to grow. Um, you know, Brandon, you made a really good point about, um, you know, given that the 2022 iteration is going to be from Infinity Ward is probably a good thing because, you know, alongside Warzone, they're going to take the 2022 Call of Duty and they're going to turn that into a two-year cycle. And if you're going to take any um, Call of Duty uh, game, it's probably best that you had one from Infinity Ward because, I mean, they're really the pros. They're really the ones that put out the marquee entries, and we know that. So if you're going to have any Call of Duty have a two-year cycle, then Infinity Ward is probably the best. At the same time, if you're going to give one of your studios an extra year of development time for that 2024 entry... I bet Activision kind of wished that it was Infinity Ward that had those two years to make that 2024 entry because, uh, you know, maybe they can to some extent, but, um, you know, if you've got, you know, Sludgehammer and Raven working on 2024 and whoever the other studio is, then, um, you know, maybe they're not going to put out the best product, but it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of step back and, and think about the different approaches that, you know, they could have taken if, if hindsight was 2020. So, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all pans out, but, you know, I said it before we started recording, this is great news for anyone who isn't a yearly Call of Duty content creator <laughs> because, yeah. uh, you know, a, a year without content. But I mean, you mentioned it as well, Brandon, um, you're starting to see the numbers recede on Twitch. I have a couple, uh, channels that I follow on Twitch that are traditionally Call of Duty creators and they've just stopped. They've gone and they've started playing Halo Infinite or Lost Ark or, destiny and stuff like that just because they've they've grown tired of it and they you know they see issues with vanguard i feel bad for sledgehammer because i personally think vanguard was a a marked improvement over um cold war uh but you know releasing in the same year as halo and battlefield is always going to be an uphill battle especially when you're dealing with fatigue um so yeah i think this is the right move i do think microsoft had something to do with it even though you know no one's going to come out and say that but at the end of the day i think we are going to win from this, uh, the gamers. So, um, yeah, I was definitely happy to hear this. And I hope it's confirmed soon. Yeah. A couple things. One, anecdotally, I was uh, talking to um, Mr. Matty Plays yesterday about Sea of Thieves uh, for a, a podcast episode coming up. And he mentioned, or we were talking about Halo Infinite too, briefly. And I said, you know what's crazy? A free-to-play game, Halo Infinite, has a lower concurrent player count on Steam. Now, granted, this is Steam. Um, it's not including Xbox. It's not including PlayStation. It's not including all the other things that it could be. But Halo Infinite had less concurrent players that it has has had less concurrent players than Sea of Thieves. And Sea of Thieves is a paid game, and Halo can be played for free. That's not looking good for Halo. But still, it definitely had a mark on... Uh, and, that, and that's just like people are like, oh, see, this is a dead game. But it was bigger than Halo yet, like the last seven days, right? Uh, which is kind of crazy. But the um, the interesting thing, though, is that Call of Duty just even with having Halo, which, you know, a lot of people are saying is dying, which, you know, it's not. dying, It's fine. Uh, but you have it out. You have Battlefield out, which, by the way, hit like 2000 concurrent a week ago or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something insane. Like even with all those other titles kind of struggling, I guess you could say 
still haven't quite hit the numbers they needed to hit. And I agree. I think it's good. Now, the conspiracy theory part of me, this is the second thing I was going to say. The conspiracy part of me says, well, PlayStation was only guaranteed three years by contract of Call of Duty. So uh, they're just taking a year away from PlayStation from getting it. But that's, I mean, I don't think that's actually true. It's just kind of fun to, right. to do as the conspiracy theorist guy. I still think Dave's right, though. We're going to win regardless. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah. I mean, at this point, legitimately, I just want to touch again on the fact that their their flagship product, Warzone, is now a broken, fragmented game. Yeah. I'm serious. Like, like they cannot even manage to fix the coding to have console players, which is a massive amount of their audience, have the same functionality in the game as PC players. Like it's literally from what they've said, not possible until the next game comes out. Like because of uh, the of, POV of of how it was built yeah. and and how the Cold War weapons had to be integrated, and now how the Vanguard. Seriously, like I think I actually have a little bit of pity yeah. for Call of Duty at this point in what they've made because the success was so great. And at the time, I feel like it probably was a good idea to not alienate sure. the last game's audience by just kicking the shit out of the game. Right. But it leaves you with such a massive pile of just mismatch shit. That's very mid. And that's what the game's turning into. Right. Is it just, it has everything everywhere and none of it is quite enjoyable as it used to be. And I don't know how to put that in, in a better way, but it just, it's really the truth. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a much, much needed change to the series. And I'm hoping um, that things can kind of just feel like they used to. I don't even know what that means anymore. But I would like to be reinterested in Warzone. But How often would you like to see a new Call of Duty game? Not just like Warzone updates and stuff like that, but an actual Call of Duty True Blue release. Every two, three years would be great. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. If they could give me... Now, I don't want like a 30-hour campaign. I would probably just not even buy it if that were the case. But sure. if you can give me a beautiful, polished game every two to three years, I'll pay 70 bucks. I'll probably buy cosmetics. Why do you think that um, Modern Warfare, the re, the 2019 version, or was it 2018? Yeah. Uh, why do you think it was so much better? I mean, granted, it had problems at release too. Right. We can't forget that, but... It was still so much better than the the next two entries in the in the series. I'm gonna be honest. If you could just plan on always being honest, that'd be great. For me personally, <laughs> it's something weird about these modern games. Yeah. Like whenever you get like Battlefield Four, right? Uh -huh. Games that are set in the modern era. When you're playing with weapons that are real, uh -huh. there's just something different about them. When you're doing a story that feels real, you're crawling around in a ghillie suit. I don't know. For me, that's why these games do better for me. Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck. You know, I like the PPSH and stuff like that in Vanguard. But whenever I get all these shitty, janky old World War II weapons, no matter what coat of paint you put on them, I'm not interested in shooting them. Right. I'm just not. I want to use an MP5. You're a man I, of the future. I, I, I want to use an M4A1. And, right. and ultimately, you know, you're making these World War II guns that are not very fun to me seem like these other guns but they're just not, they're it, not yeah it just never works out so i don't know man it's i want to be reinterested and i'm hoping this kind of reinvigorates me to be honest i'm completely trekked out with warzone until they can add an fov slider not interested well, that's like, right because still on console you're only at 60 right well that's what i was talking or about 90 or whatever it's i think it's 80 okay instead of 120 but like look at a chart 
Yeah. Look at the difference. I have to do a full rotation to turn around. Yeah. And you expect me to play in the same lobbies as someone with a with a computer right. who doesn't even have to turn their head to see me out of the corner of their eye. It's just, I don't care what the problem is. I don't care if the game has become so big and so bloated that you can't fix it. Me as a consumer, that's not my problem. Right. A game like fucking Rock and Stone, like fucking... Um, Jesus Christ, what's it called? Deep Rock Galactic <laughs> has an FOV slider and a frames per second counter right. coded into the fucking UI. Sure. Rock and Stone. <laughs> Come on, man. I, I don't know. I just feel like at some point the excuses have to stop and I just keep reading patch note after patch note. The new season came out. I was so hopeful that there would be just anything about FOV in there. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. They pretty much said, we hear the concerns, but it's not happening right yeah. now. They always say that. They never say it's coming or we're working on it. They always just say, no news. And that's the best they got. So I, I've honestly just given up. Right. I've I've really given up. Supposedly Warzone 2 or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. I, guess, I guess we're waiting for that. So we, I mean, they kind of have to do it, right? If they're going to retain that. Especially like how many people do we still have on, on last gen con- PS4s and Xbox Ones? Yeah out there maybe they won't even be able to play whatever warzone 2 looks like but there's no chance you could ask them to continue on yeah with an with a everybody moving up to the next i mean at least with the ps5 you've got better graphics and speed well dude that's, you may not have the the slider still but what i'm saying is that not, it's not even just about the fov slider right it, it is for me but it's that's not the entire picture well i just just to put you know, but there's a there's a creator i like a streamer i like who I used to tune in every now and then when he'd be playing Warzone and I started watching some other people who were playing on PC and then I, you know, I was playing on PC. This has been a little while ago and I got to the point where I would go to his stream and he was playing on PS4, PS5 and I was like, I can't watch this. It's too slow. Like it it feels wrong. I can't even like, I can't stand watching it, let alone I can't imagine playing it. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. The game looks like ass. Yeah. The game is old. Look at the menus, look at the UI, look at the character models. They look like ass in Warzone, even on my PS5. And it doesn't matter to me what that reason is. I just know that I have this new shiny (laughs) hardware and your main flagship game and this billion dollar company can't seem to figure out how to make my game look better. Yeah. The end. This is a little bit of rambling, but Call of Duty is like a bittersweet thing for me. I always want to enjoy it, but it always somehow bites me in the ass, so... Dave, have you jumped back into Warzone? I mean, I think you won your your first game ever with me. (laughs) Uh, No, Battle Royales were never really my thing. But it's interesting to hear you talk, Brandon. I always love to hear you talk about Call of Duty just because I know know, you've been with it for so long. And for me, like, I'm just getting back into it. Like, Cold War was my first Call of Duty game since, like, Ghosts. So, um, you know, I I don't know if I'm going to be buying this game every single year, but I'm, I'm into it. And... Um, hearing some of the stuff, you you know, we, we could talk about things we would like to see from from the franchise go going forward because it certainly sounds like they're going to do a bit of a reset. But you talk about like you have this living, breathing thing like Warzone, and if you keep jumping around from time period to time period, it's just going to screw things up. So one of the things I would love to see is the franchise to commit to a time period. Um, if you're creative about it and you um you know look at different ways to to keep things balanced and scaled like there's no reason why we can just have a constantly modern call of duty yeah um 
And then the other thing is, you know, I, I think this is a bit of a long shot, obviously, because the campaign is not the moneymaker of any Call of Duty game. But I would personally love to see them attempt to breathe some new life into that campaign because, you know, the shooting gallery um, sort of storyline and all that kind of stuff, it's just it's grown tiresome. Um, and, you know, we've seen over the past five, ten years that, you know, single player games, if they have strong narratives, they, they bring players in. So that could be a nice way to bring in a whole different swath of players if you have like a really strong captivating. It doesn't have to be more than 10 hours, but, you know, I'd love to see them at least attempt to breathe new life into the campaign. But I'm not naive and I would not be surprised if the 2024 Call of Duty launches just multiplayer only, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah. But. And to be honest with you, Dave, let me put this in perspective as far as jumping around from time frames. You're in a Warzone match, and you're carrying around the same pistol that Han Solo uses, that janky-ass old machine pistol. That's a galaxy far, far away in the future, okay? And in that same game, you then get your legs blown off by a 50 caliber. It just feels weird. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. Every time <laughs> shit like this happens, it's like... You know, you have your World War II gun and you're running around and then somebody literally massacres you with a fully automatic modern MG LMG. And you're just like, what game am I playing? Like yeah. Battle Battlefield is doing that with Portal, but that 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 mode is like a tongue in cheek sort of fun sandbox mode. Like it's supposed to be positioned in 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 my opinion in sort of a non-serious kind of way. So right. that should just go to show you that like you're 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 playing with mechanics that just don't really work together. So I don't know, just the, the success of 2019 call of duty should show that, you know, people want this modern. I personally love battlefield four. And if we're looking at all sort of the modern multiplayer shooters, that, that one kind of hit it off for me. And we've seen the way 2042 and the world war one and world war two battlefield were received. So, I mean, I, I think people want this modern and I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping it a modern set game. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to see, but who knows? I'm with you there. Very strange. Well, we spent 25 minutes shitting on a game we don't care about right now. So that's, that's, right. that's <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, we that's do right. care about it. That's why we're talking about it. Moving on, um, PlayStation has revealed the look of the headset design for the PSVR 2. This comes directly from the PlayStation blog. It says, quote, it's from uh, Hideaki Nishino. Senior Vice President of Platform Experience. I'm sure I didn't pronounce his name incorrectly, but I, I bet it will forgive me. Quote, today I am especially pleased to reveal the stunning new design of our next generation VR headset, PSVR 2, together with an updated and final design of our PlayStation VR 2 Sense controller. You'll notice that the PSVR 2 headset has a similar shape as the PSVR 2 Sense controller, taking on a matching orb look. The circular orb shape represents the 360-degree view that players feel when they enter the virtual reality world. So this shape captures it nicely. The design was also inspired by the look of the PS5 family of products. When our design team created the PS5 console, they also had the next generation VR headset in mind. So you'll notice some of the similarities in look and feel. The PS5 console has flat edges, which means that as it is meant to be displayed on a flat surface, while there was more emphasis on adding roundness to the design of PSVR 2 headset since it is meant to have constant human contact, similar to the rounded edges of the DualSense controller and the Pulse 3D headset. Our goal is to create a headset that will not only become an attractive part of your living room decor, but will also keep you immersed in your game world to the point where you almost forget you are using a headset or a controller. Uh, they go on to talk about, he goes on to talk more about like ergonomics and stuff like that, all the testing they've done. Uh, they've had positive feedback on the ergonomics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, I know neither of you are very into VR, and I'm not quite certain I'm into a PSVR. I'm, I'm very much into the portable, 
even though I don't go anywhere with it, the Oculus, which the, the Quest, which I don't have to attach wires to anything to be able to play whatever I want. Uh, but I'm curious to know what you guys think, even if you're not interested in actually getting it, uh, of the, uh, hopefully you got a chance to see the PSVR 2, uh, the design and everything, what you think of the design, and if it even slightly entices you a little more into to delving into the realm of VR. Ben, honestly, after you described it so circularly um, and, you, and you said it would be a, a good piece for my home, I think I might just buy it just as like a, a display, just just a display. That's what my PSVR one does. It's just yeah. a display that I don't look at. Sorry, Dave, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's it looks nice. But for me, uh, all of the, the, you know, mainstream VR headsets, they're all they're all fairly aesthetically pleasing devices. Um, when I saw this today, the first thing that jumped out to me was that circular design on the controller. So yeah, when I read that article, Ben, I was I thought it was kind of cool that they intentionally did that for the 360 view or whatever you have. Um, but yeah, I mean the 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 look of the thing isn't going to be enough to to get me to want to buy one of these things. I think they're moving in the right direction for me personally, given that this is something that you don't need like separate cameras or anything. Like you can kind of right. use it in any space, just like you would the. Uh, um, the Oculus. So, yeah. I mean, they're moving in the right direction, but what I really need to see is captivating experiences. And we saw that, you know, little brief Horizon VR game that they're making. And, and you know, if I saw more of that stuff, then I'd probably, um, you know, be, be chomping at the bit a little bit more to, to try one of these things out. But, you know, a nice looking piece of hardware isn't enough for me just yet to to want to go out and get this thing. So, you know, right. they're, they're getting there for me personally, but... I mean, not there yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm very torn on it because I know that I was very, it was my only VR device and I was very into it and I very much wanted it. And then after I got it, I mean, I played I played a good amount of games on it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we even did a podcast about, yeah. um, about the PSVR, but it ultimately just lost its luster because of, I think it was just that I had to play it attached at all, whether it was a clunky setup or not. Just the fact that I had to be where my PlayStation was to play it uh, really deterred me from it. So I just wonder if I'm personally or people like me are past the point of wanting to have a headset that's a, that has to be attached to anything. I know you get more power. I know you get better graphics. I know all that kind of stuff. But I'm not sure if that over outweighs the convenience of having the, the uh, Oculus, for instance, headset or any headset that would do this and being able to like go from one room to the other without having to haul uh, a 20 pound or however heavy the PS5 is uh, console around with me. I also like that, that they talk about it being a display piece. Like I don't care how pretty it is. My wife's not letting me set it out on the mantle <laughs> or something like it's uh, not that I would want to, but it's not going to sit like, it's just going to be under the, the console with, you know, the sheet in front of it, the, the cover in front of it, just like everything else. But I thought that was a, a, a funny piece of, um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people do use these as, as centerpieces in their home yeah, uh, and in their, their living room or wherever they have it set up. So it is nice. It does look pretty. It does actually, it's white and it kind of reminds me of the quest to be quite frank, especially with the, uh, the cameras on the front and everything and the inside out tracking. But that's a different story for a different day. I just, I need to know what their strategy is going to be with this thing, because I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of sort of next gen VR games, but we know that the space is really, really growing. Um, people keep talking about the metaverse and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just wondering if there's a long-term strategy for this thing that sort of transcends traditional gaming. 
Um, I'm really curious to see where Sony is going with this because I personally didn't see the original PSVR as being all that successful. Like it just didn't seem like a whole lot of people were sticking with this thing long term. So, you know, the fact that we're getting another one just tells me that either they're going to go gung ho on amazing games for this thing or there's something else that, you know, is going to be paired with this to make it like a true sort of next gen experience. But right. I, don't know. I, I think, I think the big thing about it is, is it was almost, I almost feel like it was a market research thing. And I don't think that the, the PSVR can be underestimated in its importance in bringing more people into the VR marketplace. Now, what they sell 5 million of these or so, and that's the last number we know of the first ones. Uh, that's not very high compared to how many PlayStations are out there. But then it is pretty high when you consider the rate of people who are willing to spend as much or more than their console costs to get an attachment for it, essentially. Right. So when you consider it in those, that light, but I also I think that like it brought so many people into understanding VR that when the Quest came out, now the Quest is an amazing piece of hardware on its own, and it does a lot of things better than the PSVR did, but just like there were so many people who had tried VR or seen VR or heard about VR from their buddies and experienced it a little bit that they were willing to dive headfirst into the Oculus ecosystem as well. So I think that the success of the Oculus paired with, uh, I don't know what their number was for success with PSVR, but let's say it was 2 million units that they did. If they sold that many, they were going to green light it. Then it probably was successful. And then the market research around that shows people are, have a growing interest in VR. So I'm sure they've done their research there. Uh, he says as the 10 year anniversary of the Vita just passed by. Um, but the, uh, I, I agree. I do want to make sure I want to see them create all sorts of other big, huge titles for it. But with the amount of games that are on Oculus that are available to play anywhere. And the fact that on Oculus, you can play a game from your PC without wires and don't have to have it attached to any, specific console necessarily like i just that's another thing for me like i kind of want to be able to play i, I know i'm not going to be able to play exclusives on the quest but i can play anything that's on steam anything that's in the quest store anything anything else and i'm like well do i want to just have this stuff attached to my psvr too which is also literally physically attached to my playstation 5 right um, i'm not sure about that so i don't know we'll see i i'm i'm betting that i will probably uh, be one of the people who says they don't want it up until a week after it comes out. And then I go out and try to find one right. because that's how I usually operate yeah. on these things. But I am also curious, guys, what you think. Like, we've talked about this a little bit and we still don't really know. But the price point on this thing, some of the specs are insane. Well, and I just can't imagine it's going to be able to compete financially with the success of the Quest right now. Yeah. There was a couple things I wanted to say about yeah, yeah. it, and price factored into one of those. So let me say one thing before I I just say that. ramble sometimes. I saw so many people on tweets about this today. This picture getting tweet getting tweeted. Uh-huh. People bitching about the cord. Yeah. It's been known that it's going to be wired. If you don't want a wired experience, that's fine. Right. I agree with you, Ben. Sure. Some people don't prefer that. Just buy Quest. Right. That's fine. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Second, <laughs> I think the success of this machine is dependent on two things. What you said, the price point is going to be very key. We've seen some of the specs. I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit pricier. Yeah. I, I, I really do. So that's going to kind of, that can sway a lot of people, yeah. especially because of what you said, Ben. I mean, it really is kind of like an add-on. Yeah. It's not like Quest. You could just 
you take, buy it and you're done. Take it and go. Yeah. So that's going to really factor into it. And what Dave said earlier, just to loop back around that for my final point, is the software and the price are the two most important things in what I think is going to make this console or this add-on successful. Yeah. Um, I think we should not rule out that there are things that we don't know about. I mean, I think they went strong with the Horizon thing and the PSVR 2 first because that's the game's coming out. It's getting a lot of good buzz. Why not drop that now? It looks beautiful. But I'm thinking of stuff like, I don't know, VR chat hasn't been the most popular thing in the world. It hasn't got billions of views, potentially anything like that. But Sony already has a platform that they could just redo and repurpose into something like this. You guys remember PlayStation Home? Home? They got to bring it back, man. Imagine, just imagine for me, something like Rec Room or VR chat, but PlayStation Home. That's the metaverse, baby. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Home got a revival and VR had to factor in that in some way. I'm going to be honest. I really, really think that's a possibility. I do. Well, I think Dustin has speculated uh, in private and in public that one of the studios that we haven't heard anything from, one of the PlayStation studios, is probably working on a home revival. Now, whether that's just a guess or a hope, I don't know. Or if he has some inside knowledge there, I don't I don't think he does, or else he probably would have mentioned it. But uh, I definitely think that that's in, yeah. that's in the works. Especially with VR. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that if VR was taken out of the home picture, I don't know that I would agree with that take. But with VR in the picture and the popularity of all of this virtual space, this virtual playing, I'm thinking of Rec Room where you could play pool with your friends or bowl with your friends, something like that. If they can really get a good market with a good game there and a value for customers, that could potentially pull people in. No. Legitimately. I'll tell you this. Spartacus or whatever they're going to call it that we've been hearing about. I've not been really interested in having a subscription service on my PlayStation that is potentially partially streaming. But if somewhere included in a Spartacus subscription was a subscription to PSVR 2 games, that might sway me. It's just right now, I don't really want to buy a lot of extra games for multiple VR platforms. Right. Like right now, I own three VR games. I own many VR games, but I own three of them on PS4 or PSVR and on Oculus Quest. Right. But if you could include it, that might sway me a little bit. If they included it with some subscription that I didn't have to think about paying for, I probably would do it. Well, also not... Because I'm a sucker for marketing. <laughs> not to be forgotten, but once the PSVR 2 drops, I would imagine that they would begin to work in VR titles regularly for the yeah. PlayStation Plus again as well. Yeah, so. they used to do that frequently. Yeah. They used to work at... It was, there was a while there where they were, there were Vita, PS4, and VR games. Dude, I've never owned a Vita, and I got every single one of those. You never owned a Vita? I thought you had no. one. I had a PSP. Oh, okay. The better one. The better. I mean, some would say that. All right. Well, I think we've beat that horse to death. Let's move on. Nintendo. Everyone's favorite <laughs> publisher, manufacturer, whatever. <laughs> Nintendo is going to shut down the Wii U and 3DS shops in 2023. This story, of course, is from Nintendo directly, but this is from responstation.com. On February 15th, 2022, Nintendo announced plans to discontinue support for the Wii U and the 3DS shops by March of 2023, according to a post on Nintendo's customer support page. Quote, as of late March 2023, it will no longer be possible to make purchases in Nintendo eShop for the Wii U system and the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. Not only will the ability to make purchases end, but so will being able to download free content like game demos, as well as being able to add funds to a Nintendo account via prepaid cards purchased at retail. We've seen a lot of people, by the way, do that. 
uh, PlayStation no longer uh, is selling those the the subscription cards, and maybe that's partially because of a revamp for a new service they're coming out with. Uh, we've seen Xbox pull some of those cards from select retailers, etc. Uh, quote, while the post broadly speaks of ending services by March of 2023, it's important to note that these restrictions on adding wallet funds are ending much sooner. According to the support page, you won't be able to add funds via credit card beyond May 23rd, 2022. And for the prepaid retail cards, the cutoff is August 29th, 2022. Now, there's a lot we could say about this, and we don't ever like it when services end. And we especially don't like it when there are games that you purchased on a 3ds that you'll no longer be able to own or whatever or to, to download again but but i will say this as a business-minded person i have to imagine that nintendo has seen such a decline such an insane decline on people using these services as the reason they're shutting them down because if we know anything about nintendo if there is a way to get a dime out of you if they are still making five dollars a month profit yeah they would keep it up yeah dave what do you think? Is it shitty? Is it practical? Is it both? I mean, it's it's just kind of where we are now with um, you know this new digital area of video games, and I, I you guys know I, all of the consoles I have in my house except for my Switch now are digital only. I have a Series S and a digital PS5. So, um, but I'm the kind of guy you know when I'm done with a game, I'm probably not playing it again. So if if I suddenly don't have access to a game 10 years after I bought it, it's it's not a big deal for me personally, but, um, you know, that, that's I know that's a major concern for a lot of people. So it's just sort of the reality of, of what we're dealing with. If that's, if that's something that's really important to you, then, you know, keep buying physical as long as you can. Um, as you said, Ben, if, if there's a business case to be made for not supporting these services long term, then you know they're, they're going to do it if if that's what makes sense. Then then that makes sense. I I did see some people on social media compare this to Sony's move about a year ago when they announced they were shutting down the Vita store and they kind of flip flopped on that and kind of saying you know we know you're going to do this at some point Sony and or Nintendo and look at Nintendo's example. This is how you do it. You know you get a proper lead time. You're clear yeah. on everything. Um, so I mean it just in this. It, this transitionary transition phase we're going through with, you know, physical to digital. This is this is some of the pain points we're going to have. It's not a big deal to me because, as I said, when I'm done with something, I, I'm probably not going to install it again ten years later. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it's if this is if this is something that perturbs you or scares you, then just keep buying physical as long as possible <laughs> because no. this is if it digital, you never really own it. You really never own it. Uh, a minute ago, I said you wouldn't be able to download them. I knew that wasn't true when I said it, but that's just the way it came out of my mouth. You will still be able to download things you buy, at least for now. They'll eventually cut that off too, which, again, business-wise makes sense. Uh, but for now, you just won't be able to buy it or, or download the free demos, etc. Brandon, you love Nintendo as a oh, company more than anyone here. So much. Tell me how you feel about this. Uh, I saw it coming for the Wii U. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Um, the, I'm surprised it took so long for the Wii U, frankly. Yeah. yeah. The DS, though, has me a little confused. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, they stopped producing them in Japan in 2019, the right. newest ones. And although there were, you know, some of the older DSs have been around for a long time, I think something that just stopped producing things five years ago, I guess that is quite a bit of time. Yeah. I don't know. It is probably time. I guess it's just bittersweet because it doesn't feel like it's been that long since I've been playing my DS. Right. But I guess it kind of has been. 
I'm thinking the 3DS was released in 2011. I might be wrong on that, but I I was at PAX East when they unveiled it. Or maybe they didn't unveil it, but that was the first time they showed it off to the public to have it in your hands. And that was in 2011. Uh, they were making correctly. new models for eight years then. Yeah. Because I think the 2D XL was the last one they made, and that was in 2017. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long lifespan. It's yeah. probably the longest lifespan since the Super Nintendo, maybe? Honestly. Because they were still making Super Nintendo into the 2000, early 2000s. Yeah. Honestly, I think they really fucked up with the DS. They made way too many fucking versions of that little oh that little thing. And like, they but they sold millions of each other. Exceptionally, yeah, too people many. kept buying them. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I guess it is what it is. Time goes by quicker than you think. And to be honest with you, they're doing so well with Switch that this might be what people need to just go ahead and buy a Switch. Now here's the you thing. Know, like, yeah, here's the here's the play they got to make though. If they're going to discontinue being able to purchase on those devices, and again, like I said, many they must not be making a whole lot of money for people to not be able to like they wouldn't take away the purchasing power for people if they were still purchasing in droves. Right. But they got to bring some of these games forward. They've got so many games trapped on Wii U and 3DS and and just DS that they haven't put out on on switch yet but ben i'm like why it's the business model you that's make true. them wanted for years that's true and then you re-release it for 60 more dollars with 10 new tracks you know what we talked about it last week they put out if they put out <laughs> like if they put out mario rpg for 60 dollars right now i would buy it in a heartbeat and that's what i'm switch. saying and yeah. and that's why it's okay because there's nowhere i can right. play it without having original hardware i guess unless you have the mini yes the mini yes which i don't because i bought one and was like, oh man, these are going for an insane price on eBay. I'll sell it and buy another one when yeah. it's available. No. It was never available. No. Again. Yeah. So, yeah. But all right, Nintendo. Good guy, Nintendo. Always saving the day here, bringing the show. Reggie would have never let this happen. Reggie, man. <laughs> Reggie probably actually would have. Yeah, you got a guy named Bowser in charge now. What does that tell you? Uh, isn't that just the the like? Isn't there some psychological principle where like you know people that like to start fires are firemen? Do you think that's what's going on there with with Bowser? Ted, what's his name? Ted Bowser. Doug Bowser. Doug Bowser. Who the fuck is <laughs> Ted, Ted, Ted Bowser? Ted his cousin. Good his guy. cousin. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, one more story here before we get into what we've been playing, and that's that Capcom has officially announced the release of Street Fighter VI after six years since Street Fighter V. Currently, they have only released a teaser, but more news can be expected in the summer. This comes from Otherworld Rider, which I don't know anything about this site, so I'm just taking it at its word, and it seems to be pretty close to the actual press release we saw come out. Capcom, this is a quote, Capcom has officially announced Street Fighter VI, which is a breath of fresh air for the fans of this iconic fighting games franchise. This release comes after two updates and six years. Though Capcom has only revealed its plans to release Street Fighter VI, more news regarding the matter will flow follow in the summer for now we can feast our eyes on the teaser that follows a beefed up version of ryu ready to throw punches and kicks though we don't know much about street fighter 6 we can speculate on the basis of information that capcom has provided us with in the teaser ryu is facing luke who was the final character in the previous game ryu looks more mature and there's also the possibility that ryu and luke will play an important part in the storyline of course that's just speculation um brandon 
you're probably a bigger fighter game fan before we go further though dave are are you in the fighting games i don't think we've had this discussion before no not really and all, all of the reaction i've seen around this I, i've never seen uh a game get announced and so much scrutiny and reaction revolve around the logo yes um than ever yes. before because i i guess i don't know i i don't think i'm ever not going to be able to look at this game and and see the logo and think it's not called street fighter 600 emails because it's got the little (laughs) six under there but and then this whole thing broke about the you know the 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 logo was actually a slightly modified stock image from from adobe or something like that so Uh uh yeah no i'm not really a fighting game guy uh i'm interested to see where this goes but (laughs) it's been kind of funny to see all the reaction around a friggin logo for this game yeah I would I would hope it's just a placeholder, but we'll see. We'll see. Brandon, as yeah. our resident fighting game experts, which yeah. I mean, you're not you're, you you yeah, like fighting games, not. but you're not even. It's not like you're hardcore, right? Right. Now, I've been a fan of Mortal Kombat for many years, yes. um, but that's the that's the majority of my extent. I have some experience with Tekken, um, but Street Fighter. Even though I physically own the game, I got it at five below. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, has been very strange for me. Um, I booted up a couple times. I can never really quite get into it. Weirdly enough, I'm more into Ryu on Smash uh-huh. than uh, in Street Fighter, which is just blasphemous. I know it's like a legendary series with um, amazing characters and awesome backstory, but it never quite clicked for me. Um, I would love for this to be the game that propels me into the Street Fighter scene. Um, my gut's telling me it's not going to be no matter what the game comes out, but I'm really hopeful that it's good for everybody. I think the logo looks like ass. Um, but you know, who really cares? Not me. So, um, yeah, that's it, Ben. Yeah. Cool. Short and sweet. Let's, uh, let's talk about what we've been playing for a little bit here. A couple minutes. Uh, Dave, we'll start off with you. Uh, tell us about the newest, hottest ports to Switch you've been checking out lately. No, no Switch ports for <laughs> me. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm the, I'm the only one of the three of us who hasn't been playing Horizon Forbidden West, so I won't spend much time on this. Uh, but yeah, we talked a little bit last week about uh, binging game series that we missed out on, and I've talked quite a bit about the Darksiders series over the past couple months, and I finally finished uh, Darksiders 3. Uh, and that wraps up the Darksiders series for me in all four games. Um, I texted friend of the show, Phil, uh, right friend after, I, right after <laughs> I finished the game. Cause he's, he's the only person I know who's actually had a lot of experience with the series. And I just, I said to him like, look, I finished all the games. I had a great time with all of them and I'm having a really hard time picking a favorite. They're all so different. They all offer something, you know, new and uh, you know, the development studios, there have been a couple of different ones that have worked on the series have, have not been afraid to try a couple different things. And, and um, yeah, they were, they were all a lot of fun. And I think I spent less than $50 on, on all four games combined. And it was like 80 hours that I got yeah. into them. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of value when you go back and revisit old franchises that you missed out on. Um, so yeah, I think if I had to pick Unless a favorite, it's Nintendo, then you're going to spend it. I'm really like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think if I had to pick a favorite from the series, it would be, um, probably Darksiders two, which is funny. Cause that's the one I couldn't finish cause it crashed. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I just couldn't get past that second last boss, but on the whole, it was great. So yeah, it feels good. And, and my backlog is completely cleared and, and that's a positive thing. I was able to go back and, and kind of check out some comfort games over the weekend. So uh, I jumped back into Call of Duty Vanguard a little bit, some Halo Infinite. Um, 
Man, they have not done much with Halo Infinite since launch, have they? That is correct. <laughs> no, that's I- uh, that is a game that uh, I, I I think as you said earlier on, Ben, it's going to be fine. But it's it's you know the player base is is really dropped off, and you always expect it to after launch. But um, I've certainly seen some people on Twitter and Twitch start to voice their concerns about how how much we're being drip fed content and in a reasonable. Um, sort of chase or, or, or thing to go after in this game. But, uh, you know, if you don't have that battle pass, then you really have nothing. And I mean, I'm even looking at the stuff you get from the battle pass and I'm like, that's, that's really not worth it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a free to play game. So, um, right. so yeah, I mean, yeah. So my backlog is, is cleared and I'm, I've pre-ordered Elden Ring, which is coming this Friday. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it on the show next week. Did you order it from Amazon.ca? No, I ordered it from uh, the PlayStation Store so I could get oh, okay. the uh, so I could preload so I could yeah. preload tomorrow and then I can play Friday or Friday midnight strike at nice. midnight. So nice, yeah. Brandon. You were going to cut in there. No, I was just going to say I, I agree with you, Dave. I think aside from the timed events in Halo, it's been kind of weak. Um, but those events keep going away. Like I've wanted to participate in a couple of the cool ones, but they're like days that I don't realize. And then I miss them and they're gone. So, um, disappointing. Yeah. It's been weird. Yeah. I still really love it. And like you said, Dave, that's what it ultimately comes down to. It still is a free to play game. So yeah. 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 Anyway, Brandon, talk about whatever else you've been playing, if anything, and then we'll talk about horizon together. I haven't been playing anything. Okay, let's talk about Horizon. <laughs> yeah, you start, Ben, because I feel like... Yeah, go ahead. I think I mentioned on the show last week, maybe not, maybe I mentioned it somewhere else, that I did not play Horizon when it first came out, the the first one. And it was because I didn't have a PS4 at the time. And then shortly after it came out, I got a PS4, like very shortly, but it was still... Is that right? Did I not have a PS4? For whatever reason, I didn't play it. And then even after I had the ability to play it, I didn't play it right away. And it was a couple years after it came out that I played it and loved it. And so I've been highly anticipating this game for a long time. And it is here and it has lived up to all of my expectations so far. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a perfect game, but so far I've had nothing but an enjoyable time with it. The world feels insanely alive. Some of the criticism of the game I've seen is that, oh, it's another Ubisoft game with checkboxes and whatever. I don't care. I like it. Like, it's a polished game. It is um, it is very much story heavy. I like the story. I like the side missions. I'm really enjoying map clearing, doing everything that I, I can, uh, when I can, as soon as I can. That's something we were talking about a little bit before the show. And maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm, I'm enjoying doing that. And so I'm just really having a good time with it. What What are your initial impressions? Yeah, honestly, I couldn't agree with the criticism that it's like an Ubisoft game. Yeah, I couldn't agree with. I could agree with that more. I couldn't. I think that's a bad take is what okay. I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> because there's a huge, huge difference. Yes, um, a land that is so filled with vibrancy and life and side quests that not everyone is a hit. Not everyone is revolutionary or life-changing, but has good voice acting and good mocap and good literally everything down to the T over and over again. The writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I said voice acting, but the voice acting is really good in this game yeah, too. It is. And it's, there's something about this caliber of game that is so unlike most games that I play. 
and very rarely can be recreated. When something so beautifully comes together in uh, a, a musical score, visually, um, performance-wise, I will say anecdotally, I have, I have had some performance issues. It's been really weird, and they've been inconsistent. But I, I don't know if there needs to be a patch or what. But, um, man, this is just the whole package. Um, I think it takes an amazing formula that Horizon Zero Dawn sets up yeah. and just propels it into space. Um, the overhead that they're able to achieve on the PS5 is fantastic. The load times are amazing. It sounds weird, but the skin in the game yeah, looks yeah. amazing. I thought it looked good on PS4. Like I was like, look at the pores on her face on PS4. Right. And somehow it's even better. You're oh. not, by the way, I learned this. You're not supposed to talk about a woman's pores. Gotcha. Yeah, I learned that <laughs> from my wife. Um, just so good, dude. And I mean, even down to the lighting in some of the scenes and the way they choose to have the camera turn when you're talking to somebody like, yeah, this is this type of game is just on a different level that Ubisoft could fucking never. I'm going to be honest with you. Take any Assassin's Creed game and put it up a game like 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 this or like Horizon Zero or what am I saying? like Horizon Zero Dawn or like God of War or anything like in that in that vein, mm -hmm. visually, storytelling-wise, voice acting, literally everything taken into factor, it could never. Yeah. It could just never. Yeah. I couldn't agree. Yeah. Bad, bad take. Bad take. I, yeah, I don't disagree. My point was just that, okay, let's, for the sake of conversation, say that it is an Ubisoft game. I still like it more yeah. than an, any 100%. Ubisoft game I've played. And I've really enjoyed some Ubisoft games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I, I I know we like to shit on it and call them deluded, but they have their place sure. in the industry, and they have their fan base, and they're a lot better games than many games that come out. But whenever you play something that is so realized mm -hmm. and has such a clear experience it wants you to have in the best way possible in all senses, it's just a beautiful thing to have happen in front of you while you're playing. The only thing I'm not enjoying about the game, or maybe not even say not enjoying, the way they did the animation on Aloy's hair, where it's constantly flowing, even if she's inside. I think that needs to be patched, too. That's bothering I'm, me. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I think the hair, a couple of the scenarios that I saw, I think it's they turned the physics up too much or yeah, something, something like, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it didn't bother me until I saw someone point it out, and I was like, yeah. oh, no, it's no. everywhere. It's all the time. It needs to be fixed. But that's the only sure. complaint I really have about it. I mean, like I said, it's not a perfect game, but it's damn near close. Yeah. On, and this is a different discussion we could have another time, but this game got a little bit under 90, and if this game gets, an, gets under 90 by most scoring websites... I really wonder what game will come out in 2022 and what caliber of game has to come out to be above a 90 at this point. A Nintendo game. God. Don't even. Did you, say uh, so last week when we talked about this, you had kind of gone on blackout, Brandon. Did you end up going back in and checking out any reviews? Actually, no. I've literally just hunkered down with the game. Most of my time, if any time that's been free, has been just playing the game. I'm, I'm engrossed at this point. I'm on my way to the platinum. I'm having a great time just um, essentially doing everything possible before I progress the next story piece. So I, Brandon said that might not be the best way to do it because of a few different 
um, upgrades you get, but I'm just having fun doing it. And I know I'm the type of player who, once I finish the story, I'm not going to go back and clear all the other stuff. So, Oh, I did the same thing, yeah. man. It just means you'll have to backtrack, you know? Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind backtracking, especially in a game that I'm really enjoying. Right. So, uh, I also did not go back and check out any reviews after the fact. I just saw a few headlines on Twitter, you know, like the headline they put out for the review and then the the critic scores the, the main like the the metacritic and open critic scores the what's the word there whenever they combine them all average not average whatever it is aggregate yeah. aggregate dave are you feeling any fomo right now you didn't really care for for zero dawn no no i'm uh i i'm gonna play the game eventually but uh i I, I don't know. I just I, I wasn't in the in the space to play a an open world game like this. And I get that. I just said I, I pre-ordered Elden Ring and that's an open world game. Sure. But the, to me, that's that's kind of a different experience. It's it's from software experience. And yeah, everything I've been watching people playing on Twitch and, and it looks actually absolutely fantastic. I think most importantly is it's 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 one of the few games that we've gotten so far in this next generation. Yes, I know it's on PlayStation 4, but it seems to be one of those games that you play on your PlayStation Five, and you're like, "This is next gen. This is yeah. awesome." Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it eventually, but I just have other stuff that I want to play first. So uh, sure. yeah, no, it's I'm happy to see um, how well it's done, and and yeah, I mean, we talked about the VR thing a little bit too, and I'm really looking forward to see where that goes as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. I think that's it, boys. I think that's all we got to say. There's yeah. probably more to be said, but that's all we have to say. That's it for this week. Anyway. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more to say. I think. Unless there's absolutely <laughs> zero news between now and next week, which I can't imagine. We'll make it work. Maybe uh, soon here, within the next week or two, or month or two, I mean, uh, we should do like uh, where are we at so far with our New Year's gaming resolutions that Dave made us do. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, I'm failing. Oh, but I'm succeeding. Nice. I'm doing well. Cool. Well, we'll get to that eventually at some point. And of course, we'll keep updated on the rest of the year. Until next week, uh, don't forget, you can support us over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. You can also join the Discord for free at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. We'd love to have you there and hang out with us a little bit through the week. It's nothing intense. There's, you know, sometimes there's only a few messages a day. Uh, sometimes there's only a few messages a week. You'll, you won't get overwhelmed, we promise. We won't be blasting you with notifications. Unless all of you join at the same time, and that's fine. But until next week, I guess we will see you later. The HP Podcast and Handsome Phantom is supported by our proud patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Htrons, Maurice Bays, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Fusebro, Boots, Hoot, Jared, Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Straw Hat Ninja, Jared Cavaliero, and Jason Canham.